Good morning. I'm so nervous I can barely speak. <laughs> Give a prayer for me. I was going to start off with the 23rd Psalm. Now, Margaret and I didn't speak at all, but the Lord knew, and he led her to already say that for us, pray that for us. I want to speak about our lives and how God has led us, and and the 23rd Psalm talks about that, doesn't it? About he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify not you, but your Father in heaven. I was born uh, in Indiana, and uh, at the age of 12 I accepted Jesus. And I wanted a closer walk with Jesus, so I, we had gone, I had gone to my local camp for many years and decided I wanted to go to another camp that was even deeper in its devotional life. And when I went there, a camp in northern Indiana, I pledged my life to full-time specialized Christian service. Now, I don't think we do that anymore, but it was a wonderful thing to do. When you pledge your life, just like when you publicly announce that you are becoming a Christian, you set your mind and heart on a goal, and you want to live for that goal. So I pledged my life, and uh, as soon as I graduated from high school in 1960, I went on to Bible College in Cincinnati. I wanted to study and learn the Bible, and I was kind of dumb. I didn't even look at what was required to graduate. All I was thinking of was learning the Bible. So after three and a half years, I had 168 hours in Bible, but not enough credits to graduate from, from college. So the Lord led, again, I could tell you the whole story, but he to make it short, he led me to a, one of the churches, the colleges in our denomination that was a liberal arts college, would accept all of my Bible college credits, and I was able to graduate with an accredited degree from Milligan College in Tennessee. That was in 1965. 1965 was an interesting year. I graduated from college, and for the first time, I didn't have to work in the summer because I had worked to put myself through college. And so um, when I was in Bible college, I had a roommate who was from Alberta. (laughs) I had never heard of Alberta before. I'd heard of Canada, but (laughs) didn't know anything about Canada So it was interesting to meet this girl, young woman, and she was uh, my roommate for a full year, so we talked a lot about the people in Canada, people she knew, and they were all kind of like legends to me because it was so far away and so uh, interesting. So that year, that summer, I had available. I came to Canada to work in camps and vacation Bible schools, And I had a teaching job down in Indiana for the fall. Well, to make a long story short, I met Bill on July 31st. 
and uh, he asked me for a date. He called me on um, August 12th. Well, I was kind of nervous because he had called and asked me for a date for the following Tuesday. That was a Thursday, August 12th. August 13th was a Friday, Friday the 13th. Now, I'm not at all superstitious, and I think, in fact, that it's wrong to be superstitious. We don't have superstition in our lives. But that particular Friday the 13th, I was so nervous when I left the house that I was staying at, I was going from a small village in central Alberta to Edmonton. I backed out of the driveway. Someone came to the church where I was finishing up the week of vacation Bible school and brought my suitcase. I had put it behind the car, but had not put it in the car. I backed up. Well, I didn't actually back over the suitcase, but I drug it through the rocks and debris and it was completely scratched and ruined. (laughs) Then I was driving to Edmonton and it was raining and I ran out of gas. (laughs) And then uh, I had to walk to a gas station, get a jerry can and fill my tank with gas. And then we went to Edmonton, I had some other people with me, and uh, went to the final... um, vacation Bible school program at this church in Edmonton, I walked out of the church and fell down the steps. (laughs) To say that Bill's uh, invitation was uh, surprising and uh, exciting is an understatement. So he came uh, to where I was serving in a vacation Bible school on the following Tuesday, and we had a date, and we just sat and talked the whole evening, and he proposed. (laughs) And I said, well, I have a teaching job in Indiana. I'll go back and teach, and I'll, um, I'll, well, maybe if we still feel the same way, we'll get married next year. And he said, nope, it's now or never. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, obviously, maybe not obviously, but we decided we would get married. And I said, well, we'll go down to my home to get married so he could meet my family. And generally, a wedding takes place in the, in the wife's home church. So this was Tuesday. On Wednesday, uh, he went to his, uh, where the uh, school district office got a job for me. Now, if that's not the Lord, I don't know what is. It was grade two, which was the grade I was supposed to be teaching in Indiana, and I've always loved grade two children. And it was, um, and he got us a a place to live. And then he felt he hadn't uh, accomplished enough that day, so he went back to where he was living with his parents for the summer and painted their steps in the back. And we left on Thursday to go down to Indiana to get married. And that was Thursday, August 17th, and we were married on Thursday, August 26th. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, ten days after he proposed. (laughs) So that was pretty quick. We were teaching in a small town in Alberta named Bicycle, and we taught there for three years. And during that time, our first son, Joshua, was born, 1967. 
And we had an idealistic idea that we would get, we would have one child and adopt a child and do that four times. We intended to have eight children. Well, we had, so when we had Joshua, we applied to adopt when Joshua was only a few months old. And it was much easier to adopt then than it is now. When uh, Joshua was nine and a half months old, they called us and said, we have a child for you. So we went to the office in Calgary, and uh, Bill said, well, we're, we're not going to necessarily take this child. <laughs> but we walked in and saw this little boy, and I said, he's ours. So our two boys are just nine and a half months apart, <laughs> which means they have the same uh, age for two, two and a half months of the year. And they would never let me tell people that one was older than the other during that two and a half months. Oh, no, Mommy, no, I'm not 10 yet, or whatever. They just, anyway. But um, we left Bicycle in 1968, the same year we got our second son, and we went down to Indiana. Bill had always wanted to teach in the States, so we went down there to teach. And the Lord provided a perfect job for him in the um, suburbs of Indianapolis, although we lived in the, the, the big city of Indianapolis. And the Lord did not give us any more children for five years, so I almost gave up hope of having any more. And I started work on a master's degree at Butler University in Indianapolis. Well, then that started things happening. We had a child. I started that in 1972, and our daughter was born in 1973. Sixteen months later, we had another son in 1974, and two years later, we had another son. So that's three in three years. So uh, I graduated pregnant with number five child. So needless to say, I didn't go out and, <laughs> and work I did get a job. Um, I was offered a job, but I told them I was pregnant and, and uh, didn't take it. And so we had five children under the age of 10. During that time, by the way, in 1970, we had an uncle, Bill had an uncle, Percy Dickinson, Rick Dickinson's dad, who had bought property out here in Balfour in the 40s, and he wanted a house built for them to retire to. So in 1970, we came to Balfour, and Bill started the work on his Uncle Percy's house. Now that house is the house where Linda and uh, Norm Bobick live now. Isn't that amazing? That <laughs> He uh, started it in 1970. We didn't come back for two years. He worked on it again in 1972. And um, then in, and that was the year, 1972, when we bought our property up at Mirror Lake, intending to retire there, when Bill finally did retire. So in uh, the year 1980-81 was another exciting year in our lives. We decided that uh, we would either sell our property at Mirror Lake or continue to live in Indianapolis. So we uh, 
see how this is, this story goes. In 1980, we we went to um, my mind's blank. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I know. We had decided to buy some property in Indianapolis and continue living there, and the property fell through. And the very day the property fell through, as Bill was having prayers with our older two boys, we got a phone call from Calgary, our friend in Calgary who had started a construction business, and he wanted Bill to come work for him then. So it, I said, well, that's obvious. That's the Lord's leading. He wants us to leave Indianapolis and go back to Calgary. So we did. Bill retired from teaching in 1997, and that was the year then, because of his retirement, we had the time to start going on short-term mission trips. So in 1997, we went to Seamill in Scotland, and when we went, we would usually go with uh, Youth with a Mission. We found that was a very open, um, not constrictive kind of work. Bill would do uh, construction work, and I would generally work in the kitchen. And uh, it was just a real blessing to be in these different uh, places. Uh, We went to Scotland, Honduras, Japan, Israel, China, Cyprus, uh, Mazatlan, Mexico, Maui, Hawaii, Brisbane, Australia, and this past year, Ocho Rios, Jamaica. So we've just really been blessed. And I must admit, it's not a hardship at all to go on these mission trips. Bill and I, neither one like sightseeing, and we're not people who sit on beaches. So what do you do when you go on a holiday? So we found it was uh, an inexpensive way to travel. We stay at youth with the mission bases and give them uh, a donation for uh, accommodation. And... uh, we find it really interesting to meet all of these people and people who are dedicated to the Lord. So in 2014, when we were in Brisbane, Australia, we met a young woman named Heidi Lilly, who was from Vancouver, Washington. She came back to Vancouver, Washington in the summer of 2014, and she met with a friend of hers that lived there, whose name was Kristen Sass. Kristen had just gotten back from Greece, and in Greece she had met Agui, and Agui had poured out her heart to Kristen and explained what had happened to her. Agui is from um, Cameroon, Africa, and when she left Cameroon, she went to Cyprus to study further. She has a, a college degree from Cameroon, and... Um, When she got to Cyprus, someone talked to her and tricked her into going with them to Greece. And when she got to Greece, she found out this woman, the person who had taken her, was tricking her into human trafficking. Now, Agui does not want to ever be asked questions about this time in her life. She was human trafficked, a a sex slave for about three years, and memories of that just break her heart. She was raised as a Christian, and she knew all of this was wrong, but what could she do? She was drugged and forced into 
sexual slavery. So the Lord blessed her, though, and enabled her to escape from the person who was keeping her there. And also the fact that she had this baby, the little girl, Leora, was a real big factor in her being able to escape this horrible situation. So she has no feelings, negative feelings toward her daughter. I thought maybe she would, and I actually asked her about that. She said, oh no, it's because of Leora that I was able to escape. So she, she loves her little girl. Her little girl is four years old now. When we started this whole process, she was only two. And I asked her just last night on Facebook, messaging back and forth, what size is Leora now? Is she small for her age? And she said, no, she's about the size of an average four four, five or six-year-old. So um, we we had been talking about what size clothing to take to the airport. Because when she arrives, she won't have warm clothing. If any of you have been to Greece, you know it doesn't get terribly cold there. Um, So we'll be immediately buying warm clothes for her and we just, we really need to keep her in our prayers that the change of weather doesn't make her and her mother sick. Um, It can be really hard on you. Oh, and by the way, when I was talking to her last night about, it was almost our bedtime, we were, it was 9.30 or 10, she was getting ready for church because it's Sunday morning in Greece. So the time difference, too, really will affect them in, uh, in terms of adapting to life and weather in Canada. So just to keep that in mind. We were so blessed because we had brought a refugee here back in 2000. Um, we started the process in 2006. He didn't actually get here in 2012, but um, we knew the process to go through. And we went through a place uh, called City of Refuge, which is sponsored by the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church. And um, she fills out all the forms that are necessary, which is an enormous number of forms in order to get a refugee here. So it's really been a blessing And we know that the Lord has had his hand in this whole thing. And as we know, the golden rule is, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And we know that this is what the Lord wants us to do, is to accept this woman and her child and help them to adapt to life in Canada. And we know that the Lord will bless and lead her as he has us in the past. Thank you.